12, 13 through 21. Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Jesus replied, Man, who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between you? Then he said to them, Watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. And he told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with who this is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves but is not rich toward God. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning. We're taking a few weeks to look at some of the stories that Jesus told, the parables that he used in his teaching ministry. Would you just pause and pray with me, and let's invite God to speak to us through this passage. We thank you, Lord, that your Holy Spirit is here with us, and we ask that he would now take the words of Scripture, the words of our Savior, and that he would speak from them to us. Use me as an instrument. Give us all uh, minds and hearts that are open to receive your truth. In Christ's name, amen. As, uh, as you probably know, the obituary page in a newspaper is the section of the paper where we read about people, individuals from our broader community who have passed away. That's where we read notices of people who have died. And very often in an obituary page, the headlines will follow a standard format. So usually in the headline, they'll list the name of the person who has deceased, the, the main name of the person who died, and then that will be followed by a short phrase that summarizes this person's life. It's just uh, two or three words that tells us who this person is, how they lived, something we can remember about them. So, for example, the phrase might state what that individual did for a living, or the phrase might explain um, some significant contribution that that man or woman made to our world. Uh, the phrase, it might list a political cause they were passionate about. It might tell us some activity that they enjoyed doing. Very often, obituaries will list they'll list what this individual meant to their family. So, for example, it might say, so-and-so, mother of four, right? Or so-and-so, beloved son. Just a, just a short phrase that helps us to remember who this person was. So, for example, in the, um, the New York Times obituaries this last week, we saw the following Annie Bergman, that was the name of a woman who died, Annie Bergman, and then the phrase that summarized her life was, therapist who listened to children. Isn't that a great epitaph? Therapist who listened to children. Another one was Gary Paulson, author of Young Adult Adventures. One was Adalberto Alvarez, Latin dance 
music maestro. I wanted to Google him to hear his music. Uh, one was Dr. Eric Cassell, bioethicist who put the patient first. You see, just a, a short phrase to, to tell us something, something essential about this person, how they lived, who they were, what we want to remember about them. Now, I don't think they had obituaries in first century Palestine, did they? I don't think they did. But if they'd had them, don't you wonder what headline um, they would have given to, to just announce the death of the man that Jesus talks about in this parable. Um, Jesus tells us in the story that this man was a very wealthy person, so maybe, maybe the headline would have said, so-and-so, successful local businessman. Or because he was apparently a very productive farmer, maybe it would have said, so-and-so, um, agricultural pioneer. It seems that the man was good at planning and implementing construction projects. He was going to tear down his ba barns and put in new ones. Maybe they would have said, so-and-so, visionary real estate developer. I, I, don't, I don't know what they would have written, how his neighbors would have rem remembered him, but somehow they would have, they would have I think, remembered him as a great success. That's what makes it all the more surprising when you hear the way Jesus told this story, that God summarized the life of this man, very successful man, very intelligent man, a very, very wealthy man. God, in this story, summarized the man's life with just one word, his whole life. Fool. Verse 20, God said to him, you fool. Now, wh why is God so harsh with him? No, it's just a fictional story. Jesus made up this story to make a, a point. But why in the story, why is God so harsh with this man? Why does God call him a fool? Well, let me suggest a number of reasons. One reason, I think, is because this man, if you look at the way he lived his life, he, he forgot about the importance of other people, right? He just, he lived as if he thought he was the only person that mattered in the world. End of verse 16, Jesus says, the ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. Verse 17, he thought to himself, what shall I do? I have nowhere to store my crops. He had a dilemma, right? He had, he had more produce from his farm than he had place to store. He didn't know what to do with this extra income that he had. So he's saying, what shall I do about this? Now, if you think about it, there are a number of ways he could have answered that question, right? He could have said, um, maybe I should share the profits from my business with my employees. I'm not, I mean, I didn't reap this harvest on my own. I didn't plow these fields all by myself. I have people who work for me. We all work together to accomplish this. Maybe I can share my profits with those who work for me. Or he could have said, maybe I can give something back to my community. I, I have more than I need, but there are people in my community who don't have enough. There are, there are widows, there are orphans, there are, there are immigrants, there are people here who, who, who could use my help. Maybe I could give back. So there's a number of ways he could have solved his, his problem, right? He could have thought of others. But what did he do? Verse 18, he said, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns. I will build bigger ones, and there I will store all my surplus grain. It's my grain, he says. It belongs to me. I'll keep it for myself. 
So he, he just forgot about other people. In fact, if you look at the, the words that this man says in the story, verse 17 to 19, this man, he says the words in, in our translation here, he says the words, I, my, or myself, at least 10 different times. Just keep talking about himself. Have you known someone like that? All they do is talk about themselves. That's all this man does. He's just me, my, myself, I, me, he, as if he's the only person in the world. Now, before we pick on this man from a fictional story, can we just admit it's very easy to live that way? It's, it's very, I, I, and is it okay if I just say that we all struggle with selfishness? I think we all do. That's why Jesus says in verse 15, he says, he says, watch out be on your guard. He's, he's saying this to everyone. Be on your guard against all forms of greed, all kinds of, of, of selfishness. We all struggle with this. Uh, Augustine was an African bishop who was born in the fourth century. Augustine described the condition of the fallen human heart with, with, this, with this Latin phrase, in curvatus in se, which means curved in on itself. He said that's the human heart. We're all we're all curved in toward ourselves. We just instinctively focus on, on me, on ourselves. That's our tendency to put ourselves first, our families first, our needs first, our, our country first, our preferences first. Our, our, what we just, that's the way we live. Martin Luther, the reformer, he said, our nature is so deeply curved in on itself that it seeks all things even God, for its own sake. We, we'll, we'll even use God, religion, to serve ourselves. And that's the way the man in the story lived. Now someone might say, well, why, why is that foolish? I mean, isn't that the way life works? You're supposed to look out for number one. If you don't take care of yourself, no one else is. Why, why was it foolish for the man to live that way? I'll tell you why. Because in another parable, it, Jesus Jesus said that on Judgment Day, the key metric that he will use to evaluate our lives is what we did for others, especially other believers. Matthew 25, he said, I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was, I was a foreigner, and you welcomed me. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. He says, truly, I tell you, whatever you did, for the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. In that parable, Jesus is saying, the one thing I'm going to look at when I look at your life, what did you do for others? Right now, by that standard, would you agree the guy in this parable is going to be in big trouble, isn't he? He, he? So one reason God calls him a fool is he forgot about the importance of others. So another reason is it seems that this man forgot about the shortness of time. He acted as if he kind of thought, I'm sure if you had asked him, he would say, yeah, I know I'm mortal, I'll die someday. But he just kind of, he just kind of had lived as if he thought he would, he would go on forever. This is what I'll do, he says. Verse 18, I'll tear down my barns, I'll build bigger ones, there I'll store my surplus grain. Verse 19, and I will say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up. Look, he says, for many Years. He's planning to live many years. So he says, take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. He just thought he had lots and lots of time 
ahead of him. So he had his whole life mapped out, right? He knew uh, what he was going to do. He knew where he was going to go. He knew how he was going to live. Are you, are you living that way? Just have everything planned out. It's not wrong to plan, but we all, don't you think we should always plan with this, just this overwhelming sense of humility and uncertainty because our life is not in our hands, is it? James chapter 4, verse 14, James says, you don't, you don't even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist, James says, that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Psalm, Psalm 103 says, the life of human beings is like grass. They flourish like a flower of the field. The wind blows over it and it's gone and its place remembers it no more. There's an old story I heard once of a this young man went to see his rabbi, and when he met with the rabbi, he said, Rabbi, I, I want to ask your counsel, your advice. When, when do you think would be the best time in my life for me to repent of my sins and come back to God? And, and the, the rabbi looked at him. He said, I'll tell you what, son, you're, you're young. You got, you got years ahead of you. You're a good-looking guy. You could have lots of fun in life. So here's my advice for you. I think you should wait until one day before the day you're going to die and repent then. <laughs> the young man thought, this is, I didn't expect this is better than I thought. He left the rabbi's office, big smile on his face. A few minutes later, the rabbi heard someone running down the hall, pounding on the door. He opens the door. There's the same young man, out of breath. And he says, Rabbi, Rabbi. He goes, what is it? He says, you told me to repent one day before the day of my death. He said, yeah. And he said, but Rabbi, I don't know when I will die. And the old rabbi smiled and he said, well, son, maybe you better repent today, today. Have you ever heard that old uh, gospel song by the Winans? You know the Winans? There's an old song they sang called Tomorrow, and here's, here's the lyrics. Jesus said, here I stand. Won't you please let me in? And you said, I will, tomorrow. Jesus said, I am he who supplies all your needs, and you said, I know, but tomorrow, Tomorrow, I'll give my life tomorrow. I thought about today, but it's so much easier to say tomorrow. And then the chorus says, tomorrow, who promised you tomorrow? Better choose the Lord today, for tomorrow very well might be today. This man in, in, in the story Christ told, he says, I have, I have plenty laid up for many years. And God says to him, you fool, this very night... You won't even see the sunrise tomorrow. This very night, your life will be demanded from you. So why, why is God so harsh with this man? Why does he call him a fool? Well, he forgot, completely forgot about the importance of other people, completely forgot about the shortness of time. And, and then one more thing. This man forgot, completely forgot, about the beauty of God. The old uh, Westminster Shorter Catechism says the chief end of man. Today we would say the primary purpose of any human being is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. In other words, you, you were created to do what? To go shopping? To earn money? To pay taxes? To, to, to prove to your parents that you have value because by be, but working hard to become a success. Really? Is that really? 
Is that all there is to life? No. The Bible, listen, the Bible says you were created in the image of an infinite God. You were created in God's image, among other things. Listen, that means that you were designed for a personal relationship with the one who created the universe. You were created to know him, to delight in him, to, uh, to enjoy him, to, to be a recipient of his never-ending love. See, in this, in this parable, Jesus says, verse 21, he says that this man in, in the story, he represents, quote, whoever stores up things for themselves but is not rich toward God. In other words, he says this man, he represents people who choose things over God. Someone says, what, well, what things? Any things. I mean, you tell me, what, what would you say? What, what do people in this world sometimes choose instead of God? Career, sometimes. Money, success. Um, pleasure, personal freedom, sexual fulfillment. Jesus would say that whatever it might be, even if you get the entire world, whatever you choose other than God, Jesus would say you're making a really bad choice. This is a bad deal. You're not getting that which is of greatest worth. A few years ago, I was at the beach, and I noticed this family. It looked like the father, the mother, and, and their young adult son. He was about 20 years old. And this family, they had taken their, um, their beach chairs right down to the edge of the water, and they found the perfect spot where they could sit, you know, side by side, and they could all face out at the ocean, and the water would just splash on their feet, you know, that, that perfect spot to sit on, on the beach. And here, so here they were, the three of them, uh, all in a row, sitting there, facing out towards the, the vastness of the Atlantic Ocean just thousands of miles of, 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 of the, the majesty, the immensity of, of, of this huge, powerful body of water. And as I walked by, I noticed as they're sitting there, you know what they were all doing, each one of them? They're looking at their phone, right? Just kind of look. I don't know what they were looking at, some Instagram post or answering some email. I'll tell you, what, whatever was on their phone at that moment in time, I can tell you this. There is no way it was more breathtaking than the ocean, right? And in this story, it's kind of what this man in the story is doing. What's he looking at? He's looking at his barns. He's looking at his crops. He's looking at his money. He's looking at his plants. There's no way anything he was focused on was more breathtaking and life-giving and soul-satisfying than God, Right? There's no way. Psalm 16 says, that it says this, in God's presence there is fullness of joy. Have, have you ever felt joyful? I'm sure you have, but you always have in the back of your mind this thought, there, there, there could be more. There, it's, not, it's joy, but it's not full joy. In God's presence there's fullness of joy. At His right hand are pleasures forevermore. So, Psalm 36 says this, how priceless is your unfailing love, O God. People take refuge in the shadow of your wings. They feast on the abundance of your house. You give them drink from your river of delights, for with you is the fountain of life, and in your light we see light, right? This is the beauty of our God. So my, my, my counsel for you is, listen, 
Don't ever, ever let anyone deceive you into forgetting why you were created. Don't, don't let anyone tell you, well, you're here to get a good report card, or you're here to make a lot of money, or you're here, you're here to have people like you. No, listen, you were created for more than that, far more. And anything less than the knowing and enjoying the full beauty of God, anything less that you might settle for, it's just foolish. One Christian author named John Piper, he wrote this. He said, God created me and you to live with a single, all-embracing, all-transforming passion, namely a passion to glorify God by enjoying and displaying His supreme excellence in all the spheres of life. Teresa of Avila, she was, a, she was a, a Christian leader in Spain in the 1500s. Here's what she said. She said, remember, you only have one soul. You only have one death to die. Remember, you only have one life, which is short and has to be lived by you alone. And remember, there's only one glory that is eternal. She said, if you do this, there will be many things in the world about which you care nothing. You, you won't be so focused on, 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 on your income or other people's opinion about you or demanding your rights. You, you, you'll just say, you know what? As the, is that old spiritual song where they say, you can have the whole world. You can have it. Just give me Jesus, right? And, and, and the guy in this, in this story, he wasn't rich toward God. In other words, he, he, forgot, he forgot why he was here. He forgot that the only thing that would ever satisfy him is God. Now, in closing, let me just say something about the context of this parable. In the context, in Luke 12, if you look at, at the chapter, Jesus, this is a teaching moment. He's surrounded by multitudes of people. He's traveling toward Jerusalem, and people are following him, and he's teaching to them. He's, 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 he's proclaiming to them the good news of God's kingdom. And in the midst of that context, some guy in the crowd interrupts him. Can you imagine interrupting Jesus? Verse 13, it says, Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Can you, can you imagine that? It's kind of like looking at, you, looking at TikTok when you're standing in front of the ocean, right? It's like this man is standing in the presence of the author of life. He's, he's, sta he's standing before the one through whom the whole universe was made. He's listening to the voice of the one who alone has words of eternal life. He's, <laughs> he's looking into the eyes of the one um, before whom angels cover their faces. And he interrupts him to settle a family argument? Over what? Over temporary stuff. Just let me ask you, if, imagine you were in that crowd, you're standing next to that guy. What would you say to him? I think you'd say, sir, what, don't be a fool. Are you, are you serious? Whatever your brother wants, let him have it. Let him have all of it. Don't you realize right in front of you right now is, is something, someone worth more than whatever inheritance you're fighting over right now. Don't you see him? He's right there in front of you. 
You could have him. You could have Jesus. You're arguing over your inheritance? I wonder what you're arguing over in your life right now. Is it, is it really? Is it really worth more than, than him? See, here's the, here's the good news that I think Jesus wanted that man to hear. Why didn't Jesus... Why didn't Jesus put down that man? Why didn't he just tell this story? I don't think he wanted to embarrass him. He said, let me tell a story about, about another fool. I'm not talking about you. Let me tell about another fool, right? I don't think the man, I don't think Jesus wanted to shame the man. I don't think he wanted to rebuke the man. I don't think he wanted to send the man away empty. I think he just wanted to, to wake him up and say, don't you realize, don't you realize you can have the whole kingdom of God I'm the king, <laughs> and I'm offering you the kingdom. You can have me. Listen, here's the wonderful news for us. We can have the same thing that man was offered. You can have, you can have in Christ, isn't this great? Any one of us can receive in Christ more beauty, more dignity, more power, more fulfillment, more joy, more security than the entire world could ever give you. He's here for us. He's here for you. And I think he would lovingly say, don't be a fool. Don't be a fool. Come to me. Let's pray together. Only one life, it will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Lord, I, I pray, Father, that you would help us to remember that it's so easy for us to forget. So easy for us to focus on ourselves and, and, and to live as if, you know, Tomorrow will never end, and to forget the joy of Christ. So I, 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 pray, I pray for anyone here who maybe they're realizing that they've been living that way, that you would just lovingly open their heart, open their mind, let them see what you want to give them in Jesus. And, and, and for those of us who've come to Christ, sometimes we forget how precious he is. So I pray that in the rest of this service, as we sing of him and sing to him and as as we gather at the table where he's invited us i pray that you would reignite within our heart this this wonderful sense of joy that we have in jesus something better than the entire world better than a million worlds we have him satisfy our hearts with that in christ's name amen